Um, can you all hear me? Can I have a thumbs up? You can all hear me? Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, so um, it's, it's fortuitous perhaps that it's um, Census Sunday um, when we all have to stand up and be counted because the resounding message uh, through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, especially in chapter six, is to stand and then be found standing. So uh, that just little snippet came to me just now when, when we were praying, but it's very important to be found standing firmly in Christ. And we are going to look this morning at one of the um, pieces of the armour of God, and I have chosen to speak on the breastplate of righteousness. So Carmen's going to put the first slide, hopefully. There we go. Just an introduction there on the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you. So this is my first time of speaking at uh, CCT, so I thought I'd better do some Google research on how to present a sermon. It's a while since I presented one. And Google told me um, that it's best to introduce yourself, to introduce your subject, to speak on your subject, and to conclude by saying what you've spoken on, which is sort of helpful, I suppose, but it's a bit long-winded. It also said not to tell silly jokes or silly stories. So there's this fellow, and he died and went to heaven. And St. Peter met him at the gates with a big book in his hand. Welcome to heaven, says St. Peter. I'm pleased to tell you, it says in here, that you've been generous, you've been dependable, you've been a shining Christian example to your friends and workmates. Well done. Thank you, says the man. But, says St. Peter, it also says you often belittled your wife, ignored your kids, isolated yourself from the wider family, and were temp tempted to sink into depression at night, you would drink copious amounts of wine, watching unsavory things on the internet. Yeah, that's not so good. I know, I know, said the man. Each night when I went to bed, I asked God to forgive me. And in the morning, I would prayerfully put on each separate piece of the armor of God. I can't understand what, why that didn't work. Ah, says St. Peter, what well, each night when you prayed, God forgave you. And each morning when you put on the armor and you went out, he protected you. But each night when you back through, went back through your front door, you took it all off. Not so much a joke, really, more a cautionary tale. So holding on to that, let's move on. Back in the New Testament times, you would have seen them everywhere. You couldn't avoid them. The militis, from which we derive the word militia and military. The legionary soldiers of the Roman emperor who were a daily fact of life in the Christian church. They patrolled the cities of the empire like police. They accompanied all the high-ranking messengers and dignitaries. They guarded deliveries of food and goods coming in and out of the city gates. They stood at the boundaries of the empire to defend against the attack and uprising. And beyond the gates of every of the empire's cities, they would crucify all those who dared to oppose the regime. They were loved by some, hated by many, respected yet feared by all. Clothed in heavy metal armor with their blood red military cloaks, they would serve Caesar, but were often a law to themselves. And yet strangely, when writing to the Christian followers in Ephesus, Paul uses the Roman armor as a metaphor for the spiritual life of a believer. 
So we find in Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter six, from where we're gonna read this morning, the following verses. We're gonna read from verse 10 to verse 15 of Ephesians chapter six. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. From Greg's previous sermons on this passage, you may recall he suggested it perhaps a better image of having to daily put on the armour of God, like the guy who went up to heaven, was to see it as something that we actually take up and we grow into. So we'll bear that thought in mind too. I'm gonna to concentrate on just one piece of the spiritual armor, as I've said, the breastplate of righteousness. So let's remember that Paul would certainly have been familiar with the uniform of the Roman soldier. He had traveled through many cities under the dominion of the Roman empire. He would have seen Roman soldiers in Tarsus, the capital city of Cilicia, where he was born. And we can read in Acts 21 about how Paul was put into chains by the Roman commander and his soldiers when he was falsely accused of preaching against the law, against his own people, and for defiling the temple by bringing a Greek into it while he was in Jerusalem. As a counter to those charges, Paul appealed to Caesar and was put into the custody of Julius, a Roman centurion of the Augustan cohort, who escorted the prisoner Paul to Rome to appear before Caesar. Under house arrest in Rome, Paul wrote this letter to the followers in Ephesus. And also during that period of his first imprisonment, he wrote to the Philippians, the Colossians, and to Philemon. So what does Paul mean when he talks about wearing the breastplate of righteousness? Let's consider what the soldier's breastplate was designed to do as part of the full armor too soon. <laughs> Interestingly, the word Paul uses here for the breastplate or the pectoral armor is cardiophylax, which is actually the word that the, would have been used for the original type of body armor used by the Romans way back around about 200 BC at the beginning of the rise of the Roman Empire. Polybus, a Greek historian, wrote about the rise and described the breastplate as a bronze plate measuring a span in every way, which they wear on their breasts and call a heart guard. And it looked like this, which is not dissimilar from the reflection I see in the mirror every morning when I get up. It was a solid piece of metal formed in the shape of a man's chest, where the second piece of metal fitted across the back, joined and supported over the shoulders by leather straps, and held together by a strong leather belt around the waist. It was designed to prevent a blow from the enemy's sword or any other weapon 
that might reach the soldier's vital organs, especially the heart. Take that one down, please. By the time of Christ, however, that type of breastplate had gone out of general use, mainly because if a man fell wearing such a heavy piece of armour, he would struggle to get up again, which would make him vulnerable. The soldiers in Jesus's and Paul's day would have worn something more like this. <laughs> it's coming. There we go. Sorry, poor, sorry for the pause. We're having technology problems this morning. All right, shall I carry on? I'll carry on, it might come up in a minute. It was called, the, the type of breastplate that uh, Paul would have been more used to, oh, here we go, was the Lorica Segmentata, um, which was more like chain mail under a leather jacket with long metal flaps hanging down in layers. It was more flexible and lighter and offered better protection. Thank you, Carmen. So we can take that one off. So why did Paul use the former term? cardiophylax. Well, the earlier type of breastplate was more likely to have been seen on ceremonial occasions. Roman emperors are often depicted in statues wherein the older, more traditional armour. It presents a grand and formal image of authority and readiness for battle. And I think Paul was emphasising the status of readiness for battle that we've been given as followers of Christ and the authority we have in him. Having accepted Jesus as the Son of God into our hearts, we are constantly protected by his righteousness. It's not something we can achieve by living good, honest lives, or by being caring and loving to others. Even though those righteous acts are good and commendable, unless they are done from a position of sinlessness, they remain acts of self-righteousness. Isaiah chapter 64 verses 5 and 6 says this, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when we continued to sin against them you were angry, how then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, we all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. Thank you. So the righteousness we now have as followers of Christ, as part of our spiritual armour, was forged at the cross when Jesus died to overcome sin and death and to impart to those who believe in him his righteousness. We can trace the rift between man and God way back to Adam and Eve. Since their acts of disobedience, we have all been under the law and God's judgment. But the good news is that God gave us a lifeline back so that we can regain a right relationship with him. Again, Paul writes in Romans 3 verses 21 and 22, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. All who believe in Jesus Christ as God's son and accept him as their saviour 
not only have forgiveness of sin, they are restored into a right relationship with God. They become clothed in God's righteousness. It's a free gift of shining armour, something we can take up daily, not something we have to put on every day, but something we are given to wear continually. It sets us apart. It reflects our faith to any who might challenge our authority. And I'm not speaking of human challenge. Paul writes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms. Do we know the authority that we have in Christ this morning? Does that apply to you? Are you aware of the weaknesses you may have? Do you know how to repel the enemy's attacks? You need to stand and stand firm in Christ. That way we can prepare our defences in advance. We can make sure we are protected by the armour and the weapons constantly available to us when we clothe ourselves in Christ. There are five of the seven armorial items listed in this passage of scripture used for defence rather than attack. We don't know you to worry so much about having to go each, out each day fighting against the devil and everything he might throw at us. We can stand firm in the armour we have in Christ. The Life Application Bible, not one of Greg's favourites, and I apologise, Greg, this morning, says this. It says to stand firm, you will need to, the strong belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. Now, that spoke to me when I read it because I'm particularly vulnerable to condemning thoughts, particularly with regard to the subject of approval. I've struggled with it from school age until today. I have to constantly remind myself that in Christ, I'm a new creation. God will never, ever condemn me. And because he loves me, he loves me without reserve. I don't have to prove anything to him, and I shouldn't need to prove anything to anyone else. But still, I find myself seeking approval from friends, colleagues, peers, even the church. And at times, I'm still tricked into believing the lie that I need to seek the approval of others and feeling condemned if that's not apparent. Satan sneaks around my defences. He whispers, there you go. They don't really like you. They don't want you to be part of their group. You're on your own. You don't really fit in. And what happens? And maybe that's you as well as me this morning. What happens is we put up barriers, we isolate ourselves, and that's exactly what Satan wants. It's the same strategy we read of in 1 Peter 5, 8, where Peter writes, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Lions hunt in packs, they're silent, they're stealthy. They Look for someone to isolate, someone who may be weak or vulnerable, someone who isn't confident in who they are in Christ. And when they find them, they pounce. But Peter continues, resist him, stand firm in the faith. That's, there it is again. 
stand firm, stand your ground. After you have done everything, stand. Strangely, after being a Christian for so many years, it's only really recently I've taken on the enormity of what that means to be in Christ. All that Jesus, Jesus achieved by dying on the cross is imputed to me. That makes me his most loved and accepted person in the world. It makes you his most loved and accepted person in the world. Everyone who joins with us this morning, who knows Jesus as Lord, has God's approval. And with that approval, with his righteousness, we can stand before Satan and, whisper, and his whispering minions and just say, stay away from me. I'm accepted by Christ. I'm part of Christ. I'm protected by the salvation that is mine through him. I think maybe there's people here, I'm not the only one, who are like me this morning. Maybe we need to ask the Lord to reveal what Satan's schemes are against us. What lies we're prone to believe? What puts us down? What makes us feel inferior and unworthy? Because we're not inferior, we're not unworthy. We're accepted, we're forgiven in God. We're approved. We've been given God's righteousness. We have it as his breastplate, as part of our spiritual armor. And that breastplate can deflect every attack of Satan. It was designed, the breastplate, to protect the heart, to protect the inner organs. Satan will attack our hearts, the seat of our emotions, our self-worth, our trust. The heart is often interspersed with the mind in the Bible, so he will protect our mind too. But with a breastplate of righteousness, we can bat off those attacks. It's something we can wear daily and continually. Always remember, God approves of us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins and to gain victory over the devil. The Greek word for righteousness, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Greg will tell me afterwards, is dekayasune. Vine's expository dictionary defines righteousness as the character or quality of being right and just. The early English translated it as right wiseness, which is an interesting way of describing it. It's perhaps more descriptive. The breastplate of right wiseness protecting our heart, being wise in what God has done for us, being wise in what authority we have in him. So be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help God offers. Employ every weapon God has given. Take up the armour he has clothed you with. Wear it 24-7 so that when any attack comes, you will be able to stand as overcomers. And when it's all over, while the shouting, you will be left standing. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. These are not just words. They're far, far more than that. They are your inheritance. They are your inheritance in Christ this morning. And I pray that God will equip you and enable you 
you to apply them to your life today. Amen. <laughs>